There's something I wanted to read to you today. This is Justin, by the way. And the reason is because it was written long ago. Nearly a hundred years ago. But it's even truer today than it is before. And as somebody who has hired, worked with people, it's almost slightly depressing. So... I'm sharing it with you in the hope that maybe you're one of those people that don't fall into the category of the 'er ne'er-do-wells, let's just say, but that you can carry a message to Garsha. So it is in the public domain, but I will credit Albert Hubbard, the author, for writing this beautiful piece of prose called A Message to Garsha. In all this Cuban business, there is one man that stands out on the horizon of my memory like Mars at perihelion. When war broke out between Spain and the United States, it was very necessary to communicate quickly with the leader of the insurgents. Garsha was somewhere in the mountain fastnesses of Cuba. No one knew where. No mail nor telegraph message could reach him. The president must secure his cooperation and quickly. What to do? Someone said to the president, There's a fellow by the name of Rowan. We'll find Garsha for you if anybody can. Rowan was sent for and given a letter to be delivered to Garsha. How the fellow named Rowan took the letter, sealed it up in an oilskin pouch, strapped it over his heart, in four days landed by night off the coast of Cuba from an open boat, disappeared into the jungle, and in three weeks came out on the other side of the island, having traversed a hostile country on foot, and delivered his letter to Garsha, are things I have no special desire now to tell in detail. The point I wish to make is this. McKinley gave Rowan a letter to be delivered to Garsha. Rowan took the letter and did not ask, Where is he at? By the Eternal! There is a man whose form should be cast in deathless bronze and the statue placed in every college of the land. It is not book-learning young men need, nor instruction about this and that, but a stiffening of the vertebra which will cause them to be loyal to a trust, to act promptly, concentrate their energies, do the thing, carry a message to Garsha. General Garsha is dead now, but there are other Garshas. No man who has endeavored to carry out an enterprise where many hands were needed, but has been well-nigh appalled at times by the imbecility of the average man, the inability or unwillingness to concentrate on a thing and do it, slipshod assistance, foolish inattention, dowdy indifference, and half-hearted work seem the rule, and no man succeeds unless by hook or crook or threat He forces or bribes other men to assist him, or mayhap, God in his goodness performs a miracle and sends him an angel of light for an assistant. You, reader, put this matter to a test. You are sitting now in your office. Six clerks are within call. Summon anyone and make this request. Please look in the encyclopedia and make a brief memorandum for me concerning the life of Correggio. Will the clerk quietly say, 
Yes, sir, and go do the task. On your life, he will not. He will look at you out of a fishy eye and ask one or more of the following questions. Who was he? Which encyclopedia? Where is the encyclopedia? Was I hired for that? Don't you mean Bismarck? What's the matter with Charlie doing it? Is he dead? Is there any hurry? Shan't I bring you the book and let you look it up yourself? What do you want to know for? And I will lay you ten to one that after you have answered the questions and explained how to find the information and why you want it, the clerk will go off and get one of the other clerks to help him try and find Garsha and then come back and tell you there is no such man. Of course, I may lose my bet, but according to the law of average, I will not. Now, if you are wise, you will not bother to explain to your assistant that Correggio is indexed under the C's, not the K's, but you will smile sweetly and say, never mind, and go look it up yourself. And this incapacity for independent action, this moral stupidity, this infirmity of the will, this unwillingness to cheerfully catch hold and lift are the things that put pure socialism so far into the future. If men will not act for themselves, what will they do when the benefit of their effort is for all? A first mate with knotted clubs seems necessary, and the dread of getting the bounce Saturday night holds many a worker to his place. Advertise for a stenographer, nine out of ten who apply can neither spell nor punctuate and do not think it necessary to. Can such a one write a letter to Garsha? You see that bookkeeper? said the foreman to me in a large factory. Yes, what about him? Well, he's a fine accountant. But if I'd send him up town on an errand, he might accomplish the errand all right, and on the other hand, might stop at four saloons on the way, and when he got to Main Street, would forget what he had been sent for. Can such a man be entrusted to carry a message to Garsha? We have been hearing... Recently, much maudlin sympathy expressed for the downtrodden denizen of the sweatshop and the homeless wanderer searching for honest employment, and with it all often goes many hard words for men in power. Nothing is said about the employer who grows old before his time in a vain attempt to get frowsy ne'er-do-wells to do intelligent work, and his long patient striving with quote-unquote help that does nothing but loaf when his back is turned. In every store and factory, there is a constant weeding-out process going on. The employer is constantly sending away help that have shown their incapacity to further the interests of the business and others being taken on. No matter how good times are, this sorting continues. Only if times are hard and work is scarce, the sorting is done finer. But out and forever out, the incompetent and unworthy go. It is the survival of the fittest. Self-interest prompts every employer to keep the best, those who can carry a message to Garsha. Now, this was written in a time when, yes, they, there was a lot of men, 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 but this applies equally well if we just substitute they, them, she, her, women. Doesn't matter the gender, the sex, the race. None of that matters. What matters is the message that how many times are people just 
not doing the job when the back is turned. I've seen it so many times. How many tea breaks? How many cigarette breaks? Huh? What? And then we use excuses. These days, mental health, blah, blah, blah. Don't get me wrong. Mental health is super important. Physical health, mental health, spiritual health. But so is doing a job with integrity, getting the job done, putting your nose to the grindstone, your shoulder to the wheel. And when this guy talks about socialism, pure socialism, well, I am no socialist nor in favor of such a thing unless it's pure socialism where everybody prospers and not what we have today, which is loafers living off the back of workers on benefits. Nothing wrong with benefits to help and give someone a hand up when they need it in times of jeopardy. But there is something very wrong with people who don't work unless they're forced to work. But then on the other hand, an employer doesn't need to be abusive to accomplish this. And this guy, Albert, he was bitter. 